welcome to Bethlehem Covenant Church's sermon podcast. We pray that you will be blessed as you listen to this message. Okay, if you have your Bibles there, uh, look up a couple different Christmas scriptures with me today as we, as we go through our sermon uh, today on faith. I'm going to have us look at Luke chapter 1, verses 26 through 38, and then also Matthew 1, 18 to 25. So first one is Luke 1, 26 to 38. It's one of my favorite Christmas scriptures. It says this, In the sixth month, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, the town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. You will be with child and give birth to his son, and you're to give him the name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. His kingdom will never end. How will this be, Mary asked the angel, since I am a virgin? The angel answered, The Holy Spirit will come upon you. And the power of the Most High will overshadow you, so that the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age, and she who was said to be barren is in her sixth month, for nothing is impossible with God. I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May it be to me as you have said. And then the angel left her. And then over to Matthew 1, uh, verses 18 to 25. This is how the birth of Jesus Christ came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph, but before they came together, she was found to be with child through the Holy Spirit. Because Joseph, her husband, was a righteous man and did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. But after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you're to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. All of this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet, that the virgin will be with child to give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him and took Mary home as his wife. But he had no union with her until she gave birth to his son, and he gave him the name Jesus. Now today, I want to talk about faith and how faith is really a gift that God has given to us and something that he wants to, I think, encourage us to have more and more in our life, to walk and to live by faith. You know, I think of the things that I pray for. You know, I I pray for people's health and for families and for marriages and for jobs and for safety and Personally, I pray for my own kids or my wife or our parents or our sisters and their families. But this Christmas, I think I am feeling most impressed to pray for faith. You know, that people would know deeply and trust God more and believe in his son. And that we would all live our lives truly by faith. I think of the story of the Israelites. Uh, the God there in the Old Testament, you know, he 
he had delivered them up out of out of Egypt and brought them into the promised land and and they couldn't see God but they could definitely see his hand at work all around them right i mean he literally parted the seas for them that they could walk through on dry ground he provided water in a desert for them when there was none manna and quail every day he provided a fire at night to lead them and a cloud by day to guide them and at Mount Sinai, there was lightning and, uh, you know, rumbling. And he gave them the Ten Commandments. I mean, one day didn't go by without God watching over his people. He was there, even though they couldn't see him. <coughs> but still, when they arrived at the promised land, you know, and it's there before them. And God says, I want you to go in and take it. I'm giving it to you. They all lose faith. All the people, except for two, doubted. They looked in the land and they didn't think they could do it. They only saw giants in the land. They saw themselves as just like grasshoppers. Somehow they had forgotten the whole previous journey that they had been on with God and all the miracles that he had done in their life up to that point and, and the fact that he was with them. And I think we can do that in our own lives as well. We face our battles. I've faced a few. We run into difficulties. We get tired or scared or just frustrated by life. And because we can't physically see God every day sitting in our car with us or around our kitchen table with us in our family or in our office, we can forget that even though we can't see him, he is really right there and that nothing is impossible with him and that the one who has carried us this far throughout our life will not abandon us now. Hebrews 11.1 1 defines faith as being sure of what we hope for and certain of what we do not see. And I am just learning more and more how much faith is really a gift. It is a gift to know and believe in God and to walk through this life every day with him, to trust that he is with you and to go to sleep at night and be able to rest in him. What a gift it is just to believe. Ephesians 2, 8 and 9 says, It is by grace that you have been saved through faith. And this not of yourselves, it is a gift of God. This verse reminds us that even faith is a gift of God. 1 Peter 1, 8 and 9 says, Though you've not seen him, you love him. And even though you don't see him now, you believe in him and are filled with an inexpressible and glorious joy. For you are receiving the goal of your faith the salvation of your souls. I don't know about you, but sometimes I'm overwhelmed with gratitude. I just might lay in my bed sometimes or sit in my chair there in my living room or take a walk out here on 98th Street, and I'm just overwhelmed with thankfulness that I know God, that he has made himself known to me. That And, and you know, I've, I've never seen him, you know, just like you. I've never physically seen God, but I know he's there. I have that certainty within my heart. I love him even, and I know that he loves me. How is any of that possible? It is the gift of faith. It is the fact that God has made himself known to us and that he has desired to show his faithfulness to us in Christ, that he's touched our life in numerous different ways. And we don't have certain proofs that we can 
point to, but by faith we just know. We just know that he is right there with us in the moment. Faith is being sure of what we hope for and certain of what we do not see. And it's truly a gift. Hebrews 12.2 says, So let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. What an interesting verse. For it's telling us that Jesus is the true author of our faith. We didn't come to faith in, in God and in Christ alone. No, he came to us and made himself known. Jesus revealed God to us. Jesus has come and, and spoken to our own heart through his word. And somehow by the Holy Spirit, he has made himself known to us that we might believe in him and be saved. He is the true author and the finisher of our faith. Faith is a gift. I hear it so often, you know, when people go through difficult times and it's hard for sure, but then they have this strength that they find in their time of need. They have this peace that passes understanding in their heart. They'll often say to me, how do people do it without God? And what they're talking about is faith. For they are able to see a good even amidst the bad. They're able to know somehow in their heart that it's going to be okay because God has got this. They believe as they read the word that it's speaking to them. I believe it myself. When we pray, we believe that he hears us and that he answers prayer. When people show up and help us and care for us, we believe God is looking after us. Why are we attributing? Because we know God is a part of all of this. It is faith. Faith is being sure of what we hope for and certain of what we do not see. And it really is a gift to be able to live this life in faith. Like Paul, who said in Philippians 1.6, I am confident of this, that he who began a good work will carry it out into completion on the day of Christ Jesus. How can Paul know that? How can he be confident? It's faith. He spoke these words while in prison. He said, I know that what has happened to me will turn out for my deliverance. How does Paul know that it's going to turn out for his deliverance? He's speaking in faith before the evidence is revealed, before the change even begins to occur, while it is still dark and he's in a dungeon on chains. He's speaking with confidence and assurance that the Lord alone can give. Christ has given him faith and peace that the future is in his hands, that the work that he does for the church isn't lost. The will of God will prevail in the world. Any other person, you know, could have been defeated or discouraged or bitter at their lot in life. But Paul never lost faith. He even rejoiced in his sufferings. He fought the good fight. He kept on believing in God even in the hardest times. And I would say that is a gift. He knew God. He was convinced in his life, in his heart. That's why he's able to write in Romans 8 that nothing will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. For we are more than conquerors through him who loves us. This is a faith that lived in Paul. I saw this same faith in a child this fall. My friend's 13-year-old daughter, Elia amazing little girl who was born with a muscular disorder and, and knew she was going to die and be with Jesus earlier than her friends. Her little body was broken by disease. She was placed in hospice care at the age of 12. 
She could no longer walk, run, play, or sing, but it didn't stop her from living. She was so funny, and in many different ways, she was just like any other kid, except that her little body was decaying at a faster pace than ours. But somehow, she had the strength to accept it, whatever God wanted for her. And she wasn't living for here, but living for heaven, looking forward to heaven, speaking about heaven eloquently. She had been given a faith greater than most of ours. Elia knew that our temporary trials are not worth comparing to the glory that will one day be revealed. And she was looking forward to when her broken body <coughs> would no longer be broken anymore by disease. She knew that day was coming. She was looking forward to the resurrection. She told her parents that you have never heard me sing. When you get to heaven, you're going to get to hear me sing. Well, she's singing now. And her parents this Christmas grieve her not being here. But they too have been given the gift of faith. And today, they see her running and jumping and making jokes and singing with Jesus. And it fills their heart with joy as they look forward to when they will one day hold their daughter again. How do they know? Faith. It's being sure of what we hope for and certain of what we do not see. It's a gift. It's one of the big ones that God gives to us in Christ. I saw this gift of faith in Carolyn Babcock, too, in her final days when I went to be with her in the hospital and she looked at me and she was so calm. Her life had taken a turn in one week. And yet she took my hand and she said, Pastor, I feel peace. Pray for my family. She knew where she was going. She knew the cross and that all her sins were already paid. She knew his peace and love and faithfulness through the years. And that is why she knew even in death she was going to be okay. She was not afraid. Why? Because she truly believed. She had faith. Faith is not about getting everything that you want or ask for. It's about trusting and believing and walking with the Lord and knowing that he is right there. That you know him and that he knows you. And as you follow him, it's going to be okay. Faith is truly a gift. And the one we think about this week during Advent. This morning, I want to point out three examples of faith from the Christmas story. From Zechariah, Mary, and Joseph. It was interesting to me this week how before God sent his son, he told a few people about what he was going to do before he did it. He sent an angel to three at different times. The very first person God sent an angel to to tell of the coming Christ was not even Mary and Joseph. It was a guy named Zechariah. I didn't read his story for you today because it's a little bit longer, but it's in Luke 1, 5 to 25, if you get a chance to later. But Zechariah was a priest. And one day when he was in the temple doing his priestly duties, it says an angel of the Lord appeared to him and told him that he and his wife were going to have a baby and that their child would be filled with the Holy Spirit from birth and they were to give him the name John. Eventually he'd be known as John the Baptist. But the angel said that John would lead many people back to God 
and be the one that had been prophesied about that would come to prepare the way for the Lord. And so in this, God was telling Zechariah before anybody else, Jesus is coming. Your child is going to make a way for him. The angel Gabriel visited Zechariah six months before he visited Mary to tell her that she would be with child and that child, Jesus. So Zechariah was really the first one to hear. Well, even though Zechariah was a religious man and a priest, he had trouble believing God at first. For he was an old man and he was set in his ways and his wife was old and this was not in their plans. You see, so many times faith requires us to let go of our plans and our understanding for God's plans and God's understanding. <laughs> and that is hard for us to do, especially when we are old. So many times faith requires us to believe God for what we thought was impossible. Zechariah and his wife had given up trying to have kids anymore. They didn't think that was possible. So these reasons all caused Zechariah to not believe the angel who came to him. And so the angel said to Zechariah, because you've not believed in the word of the Lord, you will not be able to speak until it happens. And I love this part. I love that his voice was taken away for a while. I used to always see this as punishment. God was punishing Zechariah for not believing. But now I see it a little bit differently. I see it as grace, as a gift. For when Zechariah walked out of that temple that day, unable to speak for nine months, he knew that what just happened there wasn't just a dream or something that he ate. He wasn't able to speak. That was real. He knew, and the people around him knew, that he had just seen a vision of God. And I love this, because God didn't reject him because he didn't believe at first. But God in his grace still blessed him and his wife with a child. And on the day when his child was finally born, the Lord reopened Zechariah's mouth. And instead of doubts, Zechariah now uses his mouth to sing the most beautiful words of praise to God. Luke 1.64 says, Immediately his mouth was opened and his tongue was loosed, and he began to speak and praise God for all, and all of his neighbors were filled with awe, and throughout the countryside everyone was talking about him. The Lord at times will silence our doubts, but he will open our lips after he opens our eyes. And sometimes it takes a while for us to find our praise, to find our faith. Sometimes God humbles us to teach us, even us pastors. Or he makes us go through the wilderness at times to learn what we must because he loves us enough to be patient with us. He may remove for a time that which we depended on too much in order to get us to truly see that which we need to see most. His goal in our life is greater faith and knowledge of him. God could have just walked away from old Zechariah, said, okay, if you don't believe me, I'm going to find somebody who does. But he didn't. Instead, he blesses Zechariah and Sarah with a child and with faith. Mary is the next one I just want to mention. I'm not Catholic, but I love Mary. I don't pray to her because she's not God, but I love her story and admire her faith, and this is my favorite scripture about her. And to think she was probably just a teenager at the time that the angel comes and appears to her, the age of my son, Matthew, <laughs> makes this all the more amazing to me. Her willingness to do whatever God asks, that's faith. For her world is about to change dramatically from what she pictured it to be. 
first of all, she's engaged to, to Joseph. She's pledged to be married at the time when the angel comes, which in that culture meant that Mary was already legally married to Joseph. They just hadn't moved in together yet. Well, it is then when the angel Gabriel, the same angel that comes to Zechariah, now going to her, tells her that what God is about to do in her life. He says, Mary, you are highly favored by God. In other words, God has chosen you for a great assignment. Now, the Bible tells us that Mary wasn't excited or inspired by these words, but instead she was at first greatly troubled by them. She's probably thinking, who am I and what does God want me to do for him? What do I have to offer God? The angel responds and says, don't be afraid, Mary. God's favor is upon you. In other words, God's going to be with you. He will help you. They, you will be with child, give birth to his son. You're to give him the name Jesus. He'll be great and be called the son of the most high. The Lord God will give him the throne and he will reign forever and ever. His kingdom will never end. Now, if you think about this, these words must have been incredibly overwhelming and scary for a 16 or 17-year-old girl to try to process. She is being told that she is going to be the mother of the Messiah, the future king of her people. Now, the Old Testament prophets had written about the coming Messiah. In Isaiah 7, 14, it says, There will be a sign unto you. The virgin will give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. And so that was written 700 years before this incident with Mary, which means everything had already been planned before that day, written about in the scriptures that it would even be a virgin. But in that moment, if you are the teenager the angel is speaking to, it can be incredibly overwhelming and tough for you to believe that it could possibly be you. Mary was just a teenager from a poor family who lived in Nazareth. She's a nobody with no royal connections whatsoever. Why does God choose her? What can she possibly offer him? Mary says to the angel, how can this be? I'm just a virgin. And the angel says, the Holy Spirit will come upon you so that the one to be born to you will be the Son of God. For nothing is impossible with God. Okay, now the angel has just turned it up a whole nother level. It's not only going to be her and Joseph who have a child. She is having a baby with, with no man. This baby is just going to appear in her. And the one, it's going to be God's son. How overwhelming is that, do you think? I mean, Mary is the first one to hear that Jesus is going to be God's son. How does she even comprehend what the angel is telling her? There are a couple things here I want to mention about faith. The first is the word favor. Two times in this scripture, the angel tells Mary she is highly favored by God. Favor means that God is with you and has chosen you. And I want you to really think about something. And I want to ask you this question. You know, why do you think that God chose Abraham of all of the people living in ancient earth? Why Abraham? Why did God pick Moses? Of all the mothers who gave birth to Hebrew babies and loved them and worried about them, why did God choose to rescue Moses out of the water, give him to Pharaoh's daughter, and protect him? And then call him to deliver the people. Why did God choose David? He was the smallest and least in his family. 
why of all the fishermen on the Sea of Galilee, why did Jesus choose to get inside Peter's boat? Why of all the tax collector booths in Capernaum did he look over and see Matthew and say, come, follow me? Why of all the Pharisees who were blind and did horrible things, <coughs> did God choose the worst one of them all, Saul, and open his eyes, save his soul, and send him out to be what would be the early church's greatest missionary? And why of all the girls in all of Israel did God go to the least town in Galilee, to a girl that no one expected anything from, who had no experience raising any child, had hardly any resource at her disposal, and say, okay, you're going to be the mother. Can we all just stop thinking that we have done anything to merit God's love and attention? We did nothing. He just chose us. He just loves you. He just cares what happens to you. He just decides to bless you. He just wanted to show the world that his grace is made perfect in our weakness. This is part of the gift of faith, you see. I mean, why do we know God? Why do we have all that we have in this life? Why, why all the experiences and opportunities that, that God has opened up for us? It has not been because we've been so great, not been because he's been so impressed by us, but because he just decided to show us favor. Like he did Mary. Mary never raised a kid before, and yet he trusted her with his only son. She was 17 and, full and poor, but he would be with her and help her. Moses, he, he kept telling God, you got the wrong guy. I'm not the right one to go to Pharaoh. I don't even speak well. And God kept saying, no, I chose you. I gave you that mouth. I'll help you use it. God chooses who he chooses. He has favor on who he chooses to have favor. But what I love about Mary is that she just says yes to God. You can have my life as you wish. I'm your servant. She knows she's no one special. She's average and maybe even below average in skills and experience. But she is strong in faith and humility. And she just says, God, if, it's this, if this is your will for my life, then I will follow. I'm the Lord's servant. May it be in me as you have said. Faith is a gift. You just got to say yes to God. You just have to believe what he has spoken will happen because he will see to it. Mary couldn't make a baby appear any more than Moses could part the sea or Peter could lead anybody to Christ. It would be God's power at work accomplishing God's purposes in them. When God gives you an assignment, he is inviting you to have faith in him to accomplish it. He's not dumping on you a heavy burden that you have to figure out. He's not choosing you because of a previous resume or record. He is giving you a gift just because he likes you. An opportunity to watch him do the impossible through your life. So just say yes. 
Which leads me to the final person in the Christmas story I wanted to mention in their example of faith. And that is Joseph. I mean, imagine being him. He is engaged to Mary, building and preparing a new home for him and his wife, looking forward to their wedding day. And then he looks over and he starts to see his fiance's belly grow. Can you imagine what he's assuming and how destroyed he must have felt? Back then in that society and culture for a man who was pledged to be married, it was like they already were. She was his wife, even though they weren't living together yet. And so he must have assumed that she had been unfaithful. And legally, he could have had Mary stoned to death. But our scripture says he doesn't. It says that he was a righteous man, and he didn't want to expose her to public grace. And so he had in mind to divorce her quietly. But after considering this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, don't be afraid to take Mary home as your wife. Because what's conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She's going to give birth to a son and you're to give him the name Jesus. Because he will save his people from their sins. And the scripture goes on to say that Jesus or that Joseph woke up and he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him to do. He took Mary home as his wife and he had no union with her until she gave birth to a son and he gave him the name Jesus. What I love about this story and its example is the immediacy of Joseph's faith. It reminds me of Abraham when God told him to take his only son Isaac and to lay him on the altar. How could God ask such a thing of him? This made no sense to Abraham, and I'm sure he thought it in his heart. But he believed God, and he feared God, and, and he trusted in the character and nature of God. And so somehow he believed that God would rescue his son, and, and so he just obeyed. And so the Bible says that the very next morning, Abraham went. And I think we see the same thing here with Joseph. Joseph went to bed thinking he was going to do one thing. And then he woke up and he changed his plans simply because God told him to. He took Mary home as his wife and he named the child Jesus simply because God said to. And I'm sure Joseph didn't understand the whole thing right away. Oh, could you imagine all of the questions? How and why and what's going on here and why is this happening, Lord? I'm sure he had lots of questions, but he just went with God even though there were questions. You see, faith is a gift. You don't got to know everything. Do you know the freedom of not having to have all the answers? You don't have to know the whole plan, but maybe just the small part that the Lord is revealing to you right now, saying, trust me in this, and you're able to just go with God. Just one step at a time, one day at a time, walking by faith, changing your plans. Faith is a gift. It's, it's also obedience. Like Proverbs 3 says, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Don't lean on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him. Let him direct your path. You see, I think this is what I'm supposed to be praying for this Christmas. What I'm both thankful for and praying for. The gift of faith. Faith like Zechariah, where, where I can doubt at times, but, but man, the Lord stays with me. And my lips are eventually loose to praise his name as I see over and over what I feared or doubted he had taken care of the whole time. Or like Mary, in that sense of favor, who am I that the Lord has shown me this goodness that I get to know him, that he would want to use me in my life? trying to learn how to just say yes to God. Or like Joseph, 
wanting to get to that point where I just obey because God said so. And I do it right away, even if I don't understand everything, because I don't need to. I just need to trust him because he loves me. And nothing is impossible with God. Hope you have a wonderful Sunday. Thanks for listening to this week's message. To stay up to date with all Bethlehem Covenant Church's ministries and events, head to bccwaverly.org.